This is a Strategist, episode 1007. My name is Zane Velger. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Guys, what is going on? It is October 13th. It is a Thursday. We are recording on a Thursday because you know why? Time doesn't matter, Stephen Carter. Uh, I know you've got nothing time-sensitive going on whatsoever. Nope, nothing's going on. Just uh, hanging out here with the raccoons in Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> Please tell me that wasn't I just, a metaphor. That makes me think that you're actually not in Vancouver. That's what that I'm means. I'm in Surrey. I'm in Surrey, and there's a lot of raccoons. Most of them are dead on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah, now, now I'm sure what, it's what a metaphor. Yeah. yeah, now I'm sure it's a metaphor. You've dug yourself <laughs> into a hole. We've talked about we've talked about your, your, your you know. Hey, by the way, did that did that large lawn sign guy ever deliver the lawn signs? Did that ever happen? We never followed oh up God. on the on no, the no, on there the was beat. no follow through. No. Yeah, there was no no follow through, which is there's uh, not really a uncommon. lot of accountability on no. this show, Zane. He calls, I don't know if you really? the candidate. I haven't noticed. He calls the candidate at midnight and uh, says, "Oh, he calls the candidate." The that signs. seems like a campaign manager failure, right there. No, that he's I, got the candidate's number. He does not have my number. He is uh, not allowed to call me. <laughs> okay. So no, okay. you know, he calls the candidate at midnight. Says, "I just put out more signs," and I go back and I count the signs, and there's still the same number of signs. So I have no idea oh. where he's getting the signs from. But hmm. okay. you know what? It's all good. It's all good. We it's ran into the now. opposition's bus today, uh, so that's pretty exciting. They they they've got a means. bus. No, they have their own the, bus. Is that a metaphor? They're running for mayor of Surrey, and they've got a bus. Yeah, they have a is, bus. Is that a common thing? Is it is that to run over the raccoons? Is it just yeah, well, like I the number three, the and they're just going up from. and down on it? Or it, well, I mean, <laughs> traffic is quite bad here. So if you get your yeah. bus stuck in traffic, a lot of people are going to see it. So, okay, you know, I, I asked, but I actually don't care. Uh, Zane, how are you? We missed you in the last episode. Uh, yeah, we did miss you. Let me tell you Zane. something. I'm, I'm doing great. I am, I am living the life of a white man. I am in the Rimrock Hotel. Um, <laughs> I'm on the ninth floor. It is a, it is a very nice floor, uh, the ninth floor. For those who know, it's the top floor. Um, you know, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I could, oh, I could oh, make oh. last episodes because I'm doing important stuff. That's, uh, that's once fair. again. But um, I did want to give. I you... also left the previous episode early because I had more important stuff to do that's than this true. podcast. That is actually it's almost like I'm better than this podcast. I don't know. I, that's that's what people have been saying. Okay, well, um, but we are selling posters with my face on it, so it's not like my ego is inflated <laughs> at all. Just it's not. It's not like you guys are contributing to the problem. What? Okay. Well, well we look, know you're better. <clears throat> last time when Stephen wasn't on, yes, we gave him a chance to weigh in and kind of do a yeah. lightning round. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I'm going to list eight topics that we went through. And I'd like you to say, Jesus. expand on that for each this of them. So we don't miss the <laughs> Zane Belgi experience. Wait, after the fourth, I will make a quip about Flair Airlines. Just so you know. Okay, perfect. Go oh, on. Okay. Let's do it. It's good. All right. Daniel Smith was sworn in alone. Kenny ghosting yeah. her. Oh, you like, God, you're even too slow. Like this is too ponderous. Come on, go. Yeah. yeah. Come on, we got to go. Uh, go, go, can go. Can we unpack that? Can we unpack that a bit? Okay. Oh, Kenny ghosted God. her. Hinshaw was fired. on that. Promise to overhaul AHS. Wait, wait, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done with this bit. This, this bit uh, I don't sucks. think it was, it wasn't funny from the start. That's what I was. Yeah, Flair Airlines, not funny from the start. Uh, let's move it on to our first segment. Our first segment, fine, fabulous, or fucked. Guys, we are here. Oh, There's so, so much to wow. talk about. It is a classic. Um, we we do this, this uh, three-prong scale, fine. Everything is fine with this strategy. Fabulous. This is a masterstroke. This is political genius at work. Note it down in your little black book. Uh, replicate it in your future campaigns. This is this is fabulous. 
fucked. This goes in the trash bin. This is this is political strategy at its worst. This is uh, not playing your hand well. Uh, Carter, there's so many things going on in Canadian politics, but I have to start with Alberta politics. Let's start here. Yep. Fine, fabulous, or fuck. Danielle Smith, uh, on the day after, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I don't have it in front of me. On the day after talking yeah. about the most discriminated group in her lifetime being the unvaccinated, comes out with an apology put that in air quotes and a clarification carter the strategy to apologize and the apology itself fine fabulous or fucked in your mind give it to me great i think it's fucked i mean i think that you know when you apologize like that first of all you're dragging a story you're much better off to do a channel changer than an apology uh so she she managed to drag the the issue forward but i guess she was getting killed anyways uh, but the apology itself also was pretty fucked. I don't think that it actually achieved what she was trying to achieve, which is to put things behind her. I think that instead it inflamed a group of people uh, that still think that she's completely wrong. I mean, Evan Solomon, uh, your friend Zane, Evan Solomon, the man mm-hmm. that you've uh, modeled your entire life after, uh, tweeted that, uh, you know, what about the 47,000 people who passed away? What about those people? And that had had, I mean, I thought I got a lot of traction, you know, 2,500 likes and but Evan had like a gajillion retweets. Um, he his was huge. Like, yeah, what happened to the people who died? Why are we suddenly focusing on those people who uh, wanted to carry the virus around with them? So, and the misinformation staggering. The number of responses I had to my own response to my own tweet of people like just absolutely losing the plot, uh, and the fact that Danielle wants to appeal to them. Um, man, talk about emboldening the wrong people. I'm going to read a segment from from this letter put out by the premier the next day after those comments were made at our press conference. I want to be clear. This is quoting Daniel Smith that I did not intend to trivialize in any way the discrimination faced by minority communities and other persecuted groups, both here in Canada and around the world, or to create any false equivalence to the terrible historical discrimination persecution suffered by so many minority groups over the last decades and centuries. Talking in the past tense, apologizing trying to, in a sense, uh, Corey, find fabulous or fuck the political strategy, the messaging strategy of Danielle Smith putting out this letter the day after. Um, Look, I think it's fucked. I think on its, like, let's just strip away everything else and say after her very first press conference within 24 hours, she needed to walk it back. I don't even need to provide additional details for people to know that mm. was a bad day for Danielle mm-hmm, Smith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But let me make, a fine case that I think I've already undercut by telling you I think things are actually fucked. But but why this may actually still work out for yeah. Danielle Smith, depending on what the NDP does next, depending on how the public moves with this particular issue. Um, this is a move of Danielle Smith that I think that her opponents should take note of, which is um, she kind of just says like, oh, shucks, sorry, but not sorry. You know, like it's it's a very similar approach to when there was, um, you know, uh, footage that was brought up or I guess audio clips of her saying, oh yeah, you can cure cancer just by having a better diet before it's stage four or Mm -hmm. the comments she made trivializing smoking. She'll say, yeah, like, yeah, geez, that wasn't good of me. Um, Maybe not a full apology, but moving on. Right. And the problem I think that opponents will find. um, And again, I don't want to overstate it is that for a certain percent of the population, that'll be good enough. And so when you spend the next three days demanding a sincere apology, a lot of people will say, okay, enough. Like she walked it back. She clearly realized it was a screw up. You don't need to to continue running on this. 
And you're sort of leaving the door open for her to say, look, I, I said that I shouldn't have said that. Uh, but here's why I believe X, Y, and Z. And if you get pushed on it, she says, yeah, I said I was sorry. It doesn't matter if she actually said sorry, but here's why I think X, Y, and Z. And I just don't think it's going to be particularly a fruitful line of attack. However, she's also sown some seeds that can you know, grow carnivorous plants that attack her. I don't know. This metaphor is already in trouble. Because <laughs> you knew it the second you opened your mouth, but it's fine. I've you already kept going. I just... I just rattled off very quickly three things where she said, oops, sorry. And I'm not even talking about some of the big things like the floor crossing. Oops, sorry. Shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Right? Lake of fire. Oops, sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Climate change denial. Oops, sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Denial of climate change denial. Oops, sorry. I shouldn't have done that now that I've become more extreme in my views again. And there, there really is kind of this, this thing that she's done where she's created this pattern of gaff and apology. And I think she's vulnerable on that. And people saying, like, what, what is this? Like, uh, you know, what will Danielle Smith be apologizing for tomorrow? It would not necessarily be a bad line of attack on her. And, and she's leaving it open to people through these constant streams of actions and walkbacks. And it's, it's sort of rooted in her personality. She talks to somebody. She hears something. She repeats that comment. She, you know, she believes it, but she's taking their rhetoric. And then, and then she's got some cleanup to do because this is not a radio show anymore. It's the province of Alberta and it's the government. Mm -hmm. And this, and Corey, you and I were chatting about this, you know, this, this week, which is exactly to your last point. Um, this is how a radio show host operates, right? Like you, you have six minute segments, you, you, you plan out the segment roughly in your mind. You kind of throw something out there. You lob a few grenades into the mix. You see how the calls and the texts are going. And if they're yeah. not going too well, you abandon and if they're going great, controversy is not a bad thing. You extend the segment, right? Like I've had to fill in for shows. That's kind of how it works. You've got eight segments over two hours. You plan six of them and you keep a couple flex based on what's up. It's I could see that vibe. Like I could see that shock shock sort of like vibe from her in, in this first week. And, you know, to your earlier point that both of you have made, we haven't really seen her lead anything. Right. Like we haven't really seen her lead anything in the past. And she's kind of taken on. I, Persona might be too, a bit of a reach, but she's kind of taken on that radio persona that that many would be familiar with and it's kind of extended it to the previous chair in some way. Well, and I think one of the things that is going to be interesting to see is if the, the same tricks that worked for her in opposition and radio actually mm -hmm. have that currency going forward. But part of that will require the other side not falling for those tricks, right? And not getting yeah. distracted by the thing that is ultimately the petty grievance rather than the major grievance. Like her apology not being good enough is a petty grievance. And I saw Rachel Notley was talking about it today. I don't have a problem with that. Obviously, she should demand a sincere apology for one day. But if she's still talking about this two days from now, I think that's a bit of a mistake by the NDP. If you're not talking it in, you know, laddering it into a bigger attack on Daniel Smith's character or or something along those lines, because like I, it's only going to take you so far to say the apology wasn't good enough. Carter, I'm going to I'm going to keep on Daniel Smith, but I'm going to go with something different. Um, fine, fabulous or fucked. Daniel Smith in pundit mode, talking to Rick Bell, talking about her pathway to victory. Right. And you've been you've been someone, to be totally clear, who's been a big advocate of open source strategy. Right. Like being yeah. very clear about your pathway to victory. So I'm asking you first for a reason. She tells Rick Bell saying, listen, the way I win the next election, and I'm paraphrasing here. Right. I don't have it in front of me. I win rural Alberta and I win half of Calgary. Now, to be clear, yeah. the UCP have more than half of Calgary right now uh, for those from outside <laughs> yeah. of the province. And even from those inside the province, that's where the current math shakes down in terms of the seats that they hold. 
find fabulous or fuck Danielle Smith kind of entering a bit of pundit mode back to maybe back to our radio shock chuck um sort of commentary earlier find fabulous or fuck Carter Danielle Smith in in this particular um interview and in, with this particular message I think it's fucked she's not the campaign strategist she's the premier um and and you know it's not even like she's the opposition leader I can almost see you know um uh Notley sitting down with Rick Bell and, and explaining her path to victory. And, and that almost makes sense to me. Um, but when you're the mm. premier and you currently hold, you know, 75 or what, like 90% of the seats in Calgary, um, which seats are going to go away? Uh, and I'll tell you something, the people who are sitting in those seats currently, they know which seats are going to go away. They know which seats Danielle is talking about. And they are, uh, they're not real comfortable, I think, at this stage. They're, they know that they're being written off uh, in order for MLAs in, uh, in in rural Alberta to hold on to their seats. And that does not promote caucus unity. Uh, when you have a caucus, you are, at the very least, pretending that you're going to win every seat. Um, you have to pretend that because uh, all those caucus members are going to fight for you. Uh, they're going to make sure that that you have the victory in the end. And you can't predict which seats you wind up with. Um, there are seats that I thought for sure we would hold uh, in, in 2012 that we didn't hold. And certs, uh, seats I thought for sure that we would lose that we kept. So you've got to be able to, in a position, especially if you're the actual leader, to say this isn't, you know, we are going to fight for, we know the battleground is Calgary. Um, I have a path to victory in Calgary. And that means winning every seat that we can win. And I think that that would have been a better strategy discussion. If someone needs to talk to Rick Bell off the record and color in the, the color by numbers that he requires in order to understand election strategy, um, then someone else can can do that uh, afterwards. Uh, Corey, I, I'm going to ask you the bys. same. Yeah. I mean, just, they're just, just like drive-bys in a candidate bus, Carter. Um, Corey, uh, <laughs> one day I hope your candidate gets a bus. Maybe, maybe it'll be one day. Maybe it'll one be day. yeah, one day. For, I was for on the one bus day, in, I, uh, I was in the bus for with Joe Clark. That was a pretty good one. Pretty okay, great. I hear the stories. Yeah. Uh, do all your stories you involve driving or mothers against trunk driving? Uh, Corey, oh over God. to you. Um, fine, fabulous or fuck. Daniel Smith in pundit mode, talking about her electoral pathway, her electoral map. Carter, I will loop back to you. On, on, on the campaign strategist versus candidate role. But Corey, to you, fine, fabulous, or fucked. Danielle's take here. Yeah, it's, it's fucked because of many of the things that Stephen said, but I want to expand on them. Yeah. Government always has a formula for government. It's to win the same things. And so sort of walking back from that and saying, actually, we're going to try to win a little bit less, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's not showing a lot of strength for starters. It's, a, it's interesting, right? But even if you're not in government, and I have some experience with this, there is an expectation that you compete and you fight and you win in all of the seats that you previously held. And I think in, mm -hmm. in 2012, I was um, I was running the campaign for the Alberta Liberal Party, which at the time had you know had won nine seats the previous election, but there had been a couple of floor crossings and all of this, and ultimately, uh, you know, at, I think at dissolution there were six or seven, and um, and we knew we could only win five on a great day but we had to compete in all of the nine that we'd previously won. That was an expectation. It wasn't just an expectation of caucus because in some cases caucus wasn't there, but also of the members in that organization, right? It's this idea that you, yeah. you've got political parties are so supposed to self-perpetuate. There's supposed to be growth. And yeah, I mean, sometimes you go into an election, you know, you're going to lose a few, but even in those cases, you put on a brave face, you go out there 
And I mean, I agree with Stephen. The people who are at Jeopardy know they're at Jeopardy. I mean, you could basically take out a map of Calgary and say anything touching the edge of the city maybe maybe is in Danielle's plan. Anything not is basically being ceded to the new Democratic Party. And that's an awful lot of the city at this point. And I just don't know. Like I'm having trouble putting my myself in the seat of like a UCP MLA from, uh, you know, one of those writings that's at risk. It's it's like, can you imagine a Calgary caucus meeting? Daniel Smith's there and she says, look to your left, look to your right. One and a half of you won't be here after the next election. <laughs> and who's, who, she, she's just one. I, I don't foresee like an instant problem. I've actually been pretty clear that I think that these people ultimately bark a lot more than they bite. But at a certain point, uh, between kind of the disrespect to Calgary on the by-election, the sort of disavowing of your Calgary roots, saying like you're a rural operator, you're a rural gal, and um, and then seeming willing to cede rural seat or uh, Calgary seats and maintaining a strong rural base, like at a certain point, do the Calgary MLAs not say, hey, hold on a minute here. I didn't sign up to be cannon fodder. I, I'm just a bit surprised in some ways that it's even gotten this far. Yeah, it just seems really brazen of Daniel Smith to do. Carter, would you say the same thing you just did? Both of you, right? Like you guys are in the same lane here, so to speak. Would you say the same thing if if her chief campaign strategist said that? Um, So I I would. I bet you Carter wouldn't, but I would. Like when I think back to that same 2012 election, if the media had asked me where the liberals think they're competitive. I would have said all of the nine ridings where we were you know, there, but behind the scenes, like in the campaign office, we knew three of those for sure, probably four, there was not a chance in hell. Um, and, and so you just kind of put on, you know, a brave face and, and do the good fight. And you just try to make sure they don't bring you down and you don't allocate too many resources to it. But, but yeah, for, for like a public perspective, like you, you can't, Especially with incumbents in it. I mean, I, that's the most damning thing for me. Mm. I just, yeah. it's hard for me to imagine doing that. Yeah, because we, what we I'm never... trying to tease out here is, 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 was this a messenger error or was this both a messenger and message error? Right, Carter? So, so was... talk to me about this. If, if this was you leading this campaign, you've always advocated open sourcing strategy. You've also advocated a bit of honesty. Didn't this hit both of those marks for, for what her chief strategist or her campaign lead should have said seven months before an election or no? Yeah. I mean, there's 26 ridings in Calgary, Rick. What I'm aiming for is to win all 26 ridings. But I think that that's going to be a stretch for us this time. Uh, we're going to, you know, we have excellent MLAs running in every riding. We are going to pick up a few new faces uh, through t- retirement. I can't wait to see what they can do. But the, the math is simple. If we won half, we will win the election. But our goal is to win each and every seat. That's what you'd say as a campaign strategist. Well, keep in mind that in 2012, we were down to 34 seats in our in our internal projections. Mm-hmm. I didn't run around and tell everybody, hey, we're at 34 seats in our internal projections. I, I told people our strategy for winning the government because that yeah. was the that was the end game. You don't you don't handicap yourself, especially at the beginning of the race by saying, you know what? Yeah, we come in six. That's going to be amazing for us. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you've got to be able, in a position where you're. You at least have a strategy to win um, this this game that you're playing, and Danielle has now given away half, you know, half the seats in in Calgary, um, which I think is a, is a tremendous mistake. Or is there any strategy in that pressure on your opponents? Maybe. Um, 
a, 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 a pressure on your – I'm not saying it's good strategy, but is there any strategy <laughs> in there? Uh, pressure on your opponents. No. I'm just kind of t- throwing these out there, right? Um, maybe lowering the bar for yourself, surprise and delight, lower expectation. You know, what, what do you kind of think of, of of schools of thought in that direction? Carter, you're, you're, you're shaking your head no, but I'll let Corey go first and then I'll let you jump in there on okay. Carter. I mean, I think this is kind of a common thread for the past couple of months for me, and it will probably be a common thread going forward, which is I I sometimes think like we should be a little bit more charitable about what she's doing because it has worked to date. And if I if I'm trying to look for the method in the madness here, it's well, it, it is honest and it is pretty frank and it is a straight shooting politician who's saying it like it is. Everybody knows the UCP is not as popular as they were before the last election. Do we really think they're going to go up in seats? No. Which are the ones that are going to come off? Probably these ones. And in a way, doesn't it avoid some of the bullshit that you often have to put up with if you're a campaign director? Like I think back to my campaign, actually, as I was giving my last answer and I was saying like, yeah, we had to give resources to seats we didn't think we had a chance in. That's not optimal. That's not a very good idea. But I had to do it because of some sort of sense of party unity, right? And this idea that you got to fight for the things you got to fight for. And she's just saying, fuck that. That's not necessarily a good idea. And part of me says, yeah, that's not necessarily a good idea. Now, you're not changing your answer. The internal dissent. Yeah, I'm not. But I but I have to say, it's not like it's 100 percent downside. I think that um, the party dissent thing is just too much of a hill for me to get over, especially because those those seats had incumbents or they have incumbents. But Mm. um, but, you know, let's not pretend there's not some potential upsides here. And it is very keeping with Danielle Smith's strategy of just kind of ping, ping, moving on to the next thing. And frankly, we've spent an awful lot more time talking about this than her apology slash not apology. Carter, jump yeah, in on this. Jump in on this. Because you were the last episode talking about her, her faults. I mean, th- this is ridiculous, <laughs> though, Corey. I mean, what was her weakness in the last time, right? What was her weakness yeah. when she was the leader of the Wild Rose Caucus? It was, it was caucus management. Yeah, it her was very, a blind side to their needs, yeah. Yeah, her very first action as the the leader of this new caucus, before they've even gotten together as a caucus, is to essentially say to half of the people that she needs to win in the next election, well, you guys are fucked. Um, You know, how's that going to do for caucus morale um, as they get ready to fight an election that that they know is going to be tough, that they already knew they were coming from behind the eight ball because they ditched their last leader over it. They said to the last leader, you're not going to get us over the top. Get the fuck out of here. We're getting a new leader. New leader comes in and says, well, Half of you guys are screwed. <laughs> Good luck to you. I mean, basically, take a look. At, take a look. Jason Copping, Nicolaitis. Uh, like, there's a ton of people in the in the in the north. Cabinet ministers. Tyler Chandra. Are these people going to be cabinet ministers? She's also not not just saying. She's not just saying you're going to lose your seats. She's saying you guys have had the privilege of being cabinet ministers, and I'm going to take some of that away too. I'm going to take away sixty thousand dollars a year from your paychecks. I'm going to take away your car. I'm going to take away your responsibility. And then I'm going to say to you, good luck getting elected because half of you are going to go, half of you are going to die. Corey. <laughs> well, he, you're That's not good. wrong. We got our episode it, title, it half a, you're going to go, half you're going to die. It is a recipe for dissent, right? Um, you are, you're taking away their privileges that they're afraid of losing, potentially. And uh, if you kind of have a Venn diagram then with people who think they're going to lose the election, what reason do they have to kind of maintain the party whip and toe the party line? It, it becomes one of those things where you say, well, fuck you too. I've only, I've got this job for a good time, not a long time. So exactly. I might as well go down on my own terms. And that's, that's dangerous, right? 
you only have so many levers as leader. One of them is dance. If you're premier, it's dance for the cabinet seat. It's being dismissive and I shouldn't be, you know, it's performed. No, it's for the totally what seat. it is. You can be dismissive. And you then, know, the, the cabinet's going to come. They're auditioning for cabinet it, it, at their retreat. Yeah. Like this is yeah, actually yeah. going to happen next week or, and uh, you know, they all know it too. They all know that they're auditioning for cabinet. Well, and then the very next thing there is, if you don't have that, then you at least try to have the fear of you're going to lose your seat if you don't keep it together because they do. Like government has a blueprint for winning. You do the same thing. You stick together. We're, we're as good as last time. You're going to keep your seat. And when you abandon that, I mean, there's just, you, there's not a lot to lose, right? And that's there's the nothing rest. left. Yeah. Carter, what was the quote again? Half are you going to what? Half are you going to die? Half are you going to die. What's the first part? <laughs> Half you're going to lose your 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 car. Half you're going to lose. Half you're going to die. Car, uh, Corey, here it is. Okay, it's a shirt. In the middle, half of the people are losing, and then the other half, the people are dead, but they're actually raccoons. Okay, and then we put it up <laughs> on the strategist. That's the okay. I'm just I'm just giving you a golden idea. That's great. They're just dead really raccoons. Just, or, maybe something. front and back. Maybe we could do a do. Nice. A, I mean, wh- whatever we need to do. Whatever we need. I don't to like do. to brag, but I yeah. actually put. Money is the currency of politics in a news release this week in Surrey. <laughs> and I put the little TM for trademarked beside oh, it. You want to know what really sucks? Not one journalist in Surrey got the reference. Well, Not one. You know, but it's trademarked too. So I'm um, very upset. Yeah. They couldn't. Did use you it. hyperlink to the mug? Should have hyperlinked to the mug. What? That's a mistake. Kind of idiot, that's, a, that's, that's the mistake. Uh, oh, can I stick same. in Alberta for a sec? Or are you guys tired of, tired of Alberta? Because I, I was you know what? Sti- You're, you've got the reins, man. We just follow you. We just yeah. follow Corey, blindly. Corey, find fabulous for fact. Let's just focus on, on Danielle Smith on one final thing. And I think this opens up an interesting conversation on lines of attack and messaging. She's got a meme out there. She's got several memes about um, the, the Trudeau uh, Notley Singh Alliance. This one is interesting. Mm-hmm. This one uh, is about Rachel Notley saying that she's afraid of Danielle Smith. And what Albertans are afraid of is Rachel Notley and her alliance with Jagmeet Singh. Yeah, I saw this one. Yeah. Find fabulous or fuck that messaging strategy from Danielle Smith. Um, You know, we've seen the playbook of they, he, she, whoever is afraid of me. It's desperate. They're like, you know, um, they're they're Look at look at how desperate they are. Look at how panicked they are. They're they're afraid. Uh, What do you kind of think of that message? Given the political dynamic now, given the seven months of the election, your take on that, fine, fabulous, or fucked? Yeah, so this particular uh, meme or whatever that she put together, this post that I think you're referring to, had three pictures of Danielle Smith just doing kind of normal things, like smiling with kids and at a barbecue. And I can't remember the third picture. Yeah, with a pumpkin, with doing a Star Trek hand gesture, I think. Oh, that's right. It was at Vulcan. That's exactly what it was. And then... um, the Vulcan's a city in, or a town in Alberta, for those who don't know. There's a Star Trek statue there. And then the other one uh, was underneath, and it says what Albertans are afraid of. And it showed a picture of Rachel Notley with Justin Trudeau and a picture of Rachel Notley with Jagmeet Singh. And then a picture of Jagmeet Singh with Justin Trudeau. And the implication being this is all part of that alliance they're talking about. This Notley-Trudeau-Singh right, right, right. alliance. I thought it was very funny, by the way, that there was no picture of all three. So they had to cobble it together with like pictures of two of them in multiple different situations. <laughs> they had to use the transitive property. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the Steven, it's the Stephen Carter. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you won't endorse me, I'll endorse you. 
Exactly. I'll endorse you if you won't endorse yeah. me. Good point, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, because they haven't been seen in a room together. Because of course, because it's not actually a Notley Trudeau Singh alliance. Not to not to state the blindingly obvious here. It's like um, the thank you for smoking, where they're the merchants of death at the back table. That has not happened yeah. with these three. But I think it's fine because I think we know that there are a number of Albertans who will kind of latch onto it. Now, social media is not everything. And in fact, it's not even a good thing most of the time. But one of the things I often check is kind of the ratio of comments to to likes on this. And, and, you know, generally speaking, she's still got more people on her side who really like it than people who are coming at her. Um, Although I think those ratios are not necessarily as good as you might hope when it's just your first days on the job. So remains to be seen, but it's certainly red meat for the base. And I, I don't think she's going to lose any votes for it i'm just not convinced she's going to gain any either so i think it's quite well what do you think of the first part of the message i found that found that to be the more intriguing part the notley sing trudeau alliance we've heard of before what do you think of the you know rachel notley's afraid of danielle smith you know i think that wasn't actually what i kind of latched on to when i mm, saw that that's interesting totally on the same okay yeah what yeah, i yeah. latched on to was that she was trying to show how normal and nice she was at the top right like it's just her being a bit of a nerd in front of a star trek statue doing the vulcan salute that's her hanging out with that. a bunch of people and she was trying to make the point i felt not that rachel notley was afraid of her but she's not actually scary is the point I thought she was trying to make. It was almost like this eye rolling, like, oh yeah, Rachel Notley's so afraid of me. I'm so scary, is, yeah, is the yeah, way yeah, I yeah. read that first half. And That's I think you're going to see yeah, more yeah. of that in the next bit. She's really going to kind of lean into this personality of hers, which is kind of like smiley and aw shucks and nicest person in the world. Like, I'll tell you, I have a lot of friends who worked with her in the um, in the uh, newsroom in in the Herald, and like to a person, they will say what a delight she was. Like, boy, raised by wolves, you know, very conservative, but super nice, super nice. And I think that's our three personal experiences as well mm-hmm. on an individual yeah. level. Carter, and, I read that a little bit differently, but reading it again, I, I see Corey's interpretation, um, like Danielle trying to perhaps normalize as much as she is her policies, uh, her uh, persona to the public. In your take, Carter, fine, fabulous, or fuck, this, this message lane that... Uh, the UCP have started, or at least Danielle Smith's UCP have started after her election? Well, I think Corey's take before we go any further is, is truly fucked. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, yes, Danielle's is fucked because, you know, tell me what you're for before you tell me what you're against, you know, and maybe I'm old school on that, but here's this woman who who's defined by the Sovereignty Act, who's defined by uh, tearing apart the institutions uh, of Alberta, um, who is really j- just the the moment she's been sworn in, she doesn't even have a cabinet yet. And all she's doing is just attacking, 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 and creating, as Corey indicated, uh, the only part of Corey's uh, nonsensical drivel that I was able to actually grab onto. Um, okay. The, okay. You know, he, the, she's trying to create this uh, Jagmeet Singh, Justin Trudeau thing. Why, why would you do that? Um, you don't need to tie... You don't need to tie Rachel Notley to Trudeau. You just need to go after Trudeau. That's enough, right? We didn't tie uh, Jeremy Farkas to J- to Jason Kenney in in the Gondek campaign. 
We just went after Gandhi. We just went after. Is that uh, enough, Kenny. Carter? Walk me it's through this strategy enough. of how di- because you're standing up for it. me. You're standing up for me. That's all I need. All I need is to see that the person who's on 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 the political dais is fighting for me. That's a primary message in politics. Are you fighting for me or are you fighting against me? And Danielle Smith, with her twenty, with the twenty percent who love her, the people who will retweet and like the things that Corey's uh, going and checking on social media to determine whether or not something's successful or smart. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just... coming from the guy who had a real retweet yeah, you... envy of Evan Solomon, but keep going. Yeah, you literally just gave us your like, like counts on your most recent post. Well, because it was on. mine and that yeah. matters to me because I'm a shallow, shallow man. And you know, this, that's fine. We all know I'm a shallow man. Um, you know, I, I'm fine with that. But here's, you know, I just think, Corey, I just think that this is a huge mistake from Danielle because it also opens up the field for Notley. And if you look at what Notley's doing, what is Notley doing? What's her response? You know, first of all, the pictures of all the volunteers going out in, in Calgary or in Lethbridge, right? Or no, Medicine Hat. All the pictures of all the door knockers going out in the twilight hours. Um, for the most part, Rachel Notley is able to say, we're going to fight against the Sovereignty Act for you. We're going to fight against the shit, the crazy ass shit that Danielle Smith is doing. And Danielle is doing so such a crazy attack on, on Rachel that it's just missing. It's just missing completely. So don't do that, Danielle. And if you're Rachel Notley, just keep doing what you're doing. Show people that you're willing to fight. This race down in Medicine Hat and Brooks could be a much more interesting race than anybody would have given it credit for. Do you want to do you want to jump in on, on Carter's assault on your on your answer on my honor in fact on your on your honor on your answer yes well I think what Carter's brought up is an interesting question about how the NDP responds to these kinds of attacks mm. right if at all and generally speaking I I think the proper approach is to ignore them and um I I I don't fault the NDP for what they're doing on this particular front keeping their eyes on the prize. But that's going to be challenging and they need to continue doing it. Like one of the things they're going to have problems with, with the NDP is, or sorry, with Danielle Smith is she presents on just so many targets and keeping that a coherent argument against her is going to be difficult, right? And you, I think um, you called it what, you called it as, as relation to Pierre filling the pantry, right? Like, and, and that same sort of uh, MO Danielle well, seems to have in some ways. Is Do you not consider it to be the same? I mean, I think it's a little bit different in this context. Mm. What, I, what I'm saying the NDP needs to sort of watch out for here. Carter's pointing at his head. Yes, we see there's no hair there. Um, been true for quite some time. What What I think the NDP you need to keep You know who does have in, hair there is uh, Evan Solomon. Keep going, Corey. Oh, it's true. <laughs> what they need oh, to keep sorry. in mind is that uh, some of the things like your apology is not good enough. Like it, it can't register the same amount of outreach as the end of rule of law in the Alberta Sovereignty Act. And so the the challenge, I think, for the NDP is one of like, there's just too many targets and they're not all equal. And it's going to be hard not to be distracted along here. And it's going to be hard not to have the hit of the day on Danielle Smith, but actually the story of the campaign about yeah. Danielle Smith. Mm. Carter, Corey, you, wanted to, you wanted to jump in on a particular point. I don't Corey know which one it was. Corey has had but... a remarkable recovery from his absolutely <laughs> shitty post to, uh, <laughs> to coming in. Um, we need to introduce message discipline to the NDP. Uh, we have three messages in Surrey, three. And everything that I'm doing fits into those three boxes. And if it doesn't fit into those three boxes, we're done. 
And the NDP needs to decide what its three boxes are and never, ever move out of them. And when they think that they're talking too much about it, when they've been repeating it for ad nauseum for too long and people must have heard this, no one has heard it. Stay within your message box, create a th- you know the three boxes that you're going to be in and stay there until May, you know, until June 2023. Do not leave your message box. Corey. Yeah, I want to build on that because the message box also, I I think, really can't be all negative. Uh, yeah. I, the idea of just two battleships blowing each other up and and seeing which one sinks less is I'm I'm I worry about that. I you know for the province, I think that would just be sort of an ugly fight. I, and I do think the NDP need to think about their their positive messages too. What does it mean to vote for NDP at this particular time? We've always said the NDP are a brilliant opposition. Um, but one of the things that's going to add an interesting dynamic to this coming election is there's just like such a high level of known commodity. We know what Premier Rachel Notley is like. We know, mm. we will know what Premier Daniel Smith is like, but we know Danielle Smith. I mean, people yeah. are coming in with kind of like high awareness numbers here. And people are going to want to understand how will it be similar to your first term? How will it be different from your first term for both of these candidates? And and what I think the NDP need to be very careful about is to make sure that they go in there and have like coherent, compelling answers to that question, a way to talk about Alberta's future that that can't be thrown back at them as kind of the managed decline of this province, because this province is so bloody titchy about so many sensible things that need to occur around energy transition. So you got to paint a positive picture for the next 20, 40, 60 years. The thing I always say is like, my kids, my youngest kids not retiring until 2083. I'd like them to retire here. The hell are they going to be doing in 2083? Yeah. Paint me a picture. Corey. I agree fine, with Corey. Fabulous. Amazing. Or fucked. I'm, move, I'm moving. I'm moving to uh, Ottawa. Well, not really. Oh, I'm moving okay. to Pierre Polyev. And I want to oh, talk okay. to you about a particular uh, move in his critic roles for Pierre Polyev. Leaving out a very notable person in the conservative movement for the last, I could say, maybe decade. I, I, I might need to asterisk that. And, you know, uh, certainly maybe a decade elected and elected and unelected. Michelle Bramble Gardner does not find herself in a critic role amongst 50. Fine, fabulous or fucked the move by Pierre Polyev as it relates to his electoral chances, the conservative movement and what we're seeing is centered out of Ottawa. Him, what do you think? Fine, fabulous, or fuck leaving Michelle Rempel Gardner on the sidelines? Um, I'm gonna say fabulous, mm. if, if only <clears throat> interesting for two reasons. Late on, we have enough that's spilling out of the conservative caucus that we know that things are not all good, uh, with Michelle Rempel Gardner and her relations with the rest of her caucus. So, this is both this is consistent with what the caucus would want, but it is still a lot of inside ball, all of that disagreement between Michelle Rempel Gardner and the caucus. Yes. And yes. when it spills out into the public, which seems inevitable, just given the amount of stories that have been heard, even the fact that it's bleeding into things like QP and her rolling her eyes at Garnet Genuous, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now mm-hmm. it looks like sour grapes. Now it doesn't necessarily look principled. It's not, you know, somebody who's powerful in the party, an up and coming star. It looks like somebody who's mad that they were left out of the shadow caucus or cabinet and has been given clear indication that they... They don't necessarily have a future in a Pierre Polyev government. And so what's not to like? Caucus is going to like it. It nerfs somebody who might otherwise be a critic of you from the inside, which is always kind of a difficult critic to put up with. Fabulous. Carter, is it fabulous for you, Michelle Rempel-Gardner, on the sidelines of 
a conservative critic role. There was a, several, I was going to say several of them, several dozen handed out, arguably. She's not one of them. Fine, fabulous, or fucked. Moved by Pierre Polyev. What do you I, think? Who am I playing in this game? Am I playing Pierre, the citizen? Pierre, Pierre, and, Pierre? Pierre and his viability and electoral chances. Fine, fabulous, fucked. It's fabulous for Pierre. Um, he he gets rid of, uh, you know, Corey's right. Oh, this is really painful for me. Uh, Corey's right. It. Uh, I didn't. Oh man, it's hard to say. It. You don't. You don't think Cor- there was anything he, need, he he could have done with <laughs> as as an overture to bridge building to either of I you? Now, since I know where you're going now, Carter. Uh, well, no, because you don't. You bridge. You you build bridges with. She, he built built bridges with all kinds of different people within the caucus. Right. That he built built bridges from his opponents. He he brought in people who who were mat who matter in the in the in the future of the Conservative Party, and he's sending a signal to Michelle. You don't matter in the future of the party. And um, you know what? That happens sometimes. We saw, um, what was his name? The finance minister who left the, you know, uh, Trudeau's government. Morneau. How quickly Morneau. we forget. How quickly we forget. Mm. Uh, you know, we did whole episodes on Morneau and, and he's gone. And that was because of, a, 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 I think, because of a dispute between the the prime minister and uh, and his finance minister and the prime minister always wins. The leader always wins. And if Michelle's not prepared to get in line and follow the leader, then Michelle needs to not be there. And I think actually Michelle should not be there. She should leave this. This is a great signal for her. This is a great time for her. Um, there's other opportunities for her. Rona Ambrose has landed on her feet, done great things uh, outside of politics. Michelle uh, Rempel-Garner um, can do great things outside of politics as well. Well, so I have to ask you now that you brought this up, map it out. What what does the uh, the off ramp look like for Michelle Rempel Gardner? Right, if you were advising her right now, what would you tell her on a phone call? How would you tell her to leave? Um, would you tell her to leave mid stride? Would you tell her to leave quietly as as you know nominations are being filled for for the next election? Give me your take, Carter. What would you tell her if you were talking to her tonight? If I was talking to her tonight, yeah, if you were talking to her, yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's a world of opportunity, Michelle. That's all I would say. There's a world of opportunity. I mean, this is a this is a very fluid field right now. And I do believe that Danielle Smith and Pierre Polyev will be the last of this generation of a combined conservative party. Mm. I would let them I'd let them go straight into their uh, into the death spiral that will become from their uh, inadequate leadership and just stand by and wait. Because shit's going to get real very quickly, and and I would tell her, you know, have a great time. Carter, you're you're being cryptic, but let me tease it a bit, uh, unpack it a bit more. As I as I said up front, I've got many phrases for the same thing. That was very um, You think progressive conservatism's coming back, don't you? I think the center always does and always will prevail. Oh, Corey, sure. What's the okay. what's the advice? What's the well? What's the advice you're giving Michelle Rempel Garner on on an off ramp? I think my advice would be maintain a range of motion. Keep your options open. And doing that means not going out in a blaze of glory and antagonizing caucus members who might otherwise support you but just don't want to see that kind of strife and drama within the Conservative Party. So uh, take this as your signal to exit, for sure. I think this plus all of the other reporting we have in, in terms of her, her discord with her caucus is, is good enough reason to say, okay, time to take a bow. Leave now, but don't leave in a 
in a like a fury, find yourself a job, get yourself that job, leave your MLA position or MP position and um and then move on to the next thing. Be nice, say nice things about Pierre Polyev. I really hope he's the next prime minister. You know, I'm rooting for this team. I was a member of this team. This is how I'm going to contribute to society for the mm-hmm. next bit. You ever going to run for something like this? Well, I'll never say never, but you know, I want to have time to spend with my family and I want to connect back with my community. And geez, I know that sounds funny being like an MP, but I didn't want to be a career MP. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to do these things and we'll see where life takes me. And uh, that's also probably a good way to get better opportunities because frankly, if you go scorched earth on Pierre Polyev, that is going to affect your employment opportunities because people don't want to hire somebody who's picked a fight with the potential next prime minister. Hey, you know Carter, Corey, can I, can I ask? I, uh, go hang ahead, on Carter. just a second, Zane. I just wrote all that down because I'm actually going to write a book called How to Sound Like a Complete Pussy. And uh, I'm going to open <laughs> with that. That's Okay, that's great. It's great. No, that's really good. Thanks, Corey. I'm that... going to read this. This is an accounting textbook. Ooh. And, um, you know, and it, it will tell Keep me going. how to kind of balance sheets and, and make sure that things make sense at the end of the day. And wow. that's the kind of, uh, you know, insight that I bring. You bring the pugilism. I do. Unbalanced one, of us is, one of us is the fighter and uh, the other one is you. Right, I'm going to ask an impossible question, but it won't be impossible for you because you're, you're nope. never afraid to tackle these sort of questions. Nope. Daniel Smith is one week into her premiership. Michelle Rempel Garner was contemplating running for the leader of the UCP. Seeing what happened with the result of the UCP, seeing what happened to Michelle this week, being left out in a critical, should she have run, Carter? Uh, should she have run? No, because it, had she won, and I guess that it's still up in the air whether or not she would have run. Yeah. Um, had she have won, she would just find herself... Uh, in, in the spot where she's trying to figure out which of the MLAs to kick out of her caucus because they don't all fit. Um, I mean, maybe that's the signal that Danielle Smith is saying through, I'm going to lose half of my MLAs is that she doesn't want them all to fit into, in, into her caucus. But man, this is an impossible group to lead. And watching uh, Danielle try and do it is going to be interesting enough. Watching Michelle try and do it from, uh, from the, from I'm going to say the left center, which is hilarious, given given Michelle's uh, kind of history. Um, but man, she she would really have a hard time. So I think that her, she made the right decision, the mature decision, and uh, stayed out of that fight. That it really wasn't hers to win. Boy, fine, fabulous, or fucked. The governing liberals federally are entering a six week uh, review slash inquiry on the Emergencies Act. Right. This is the mandatory review that now now begins. Fine, fabulous or fucked for the for the liberals. We're, we're going to see a lot of testimony, a lot of strategy, a lot of positioning as what victory looks like. The fact that it's happening now, the fact that it's under these preconditions, fine, fabulous or fucked for the liberals. I think you've uh, papered up a prediction question as a fine, fabulous or fucked. Yeah. I, I think it really depends on what comes out of it. It depends on what we learn in terms of what the liberals knew or didn't know when they made the decisions they made uh, about invoking mm. certain authorities and the way that they were invoked. So really too soon to say, I think in general for the country, this is going to be a pretty fucked six weeks because it's going you think to think bring... so. This is, this is what I kind of wanted to get to. Yeah. yeah and... It's going to bring the carnival back to town and we are going to see under kind of the auspices of, of, you know, 
the parliament and and all of the trappings that come with this the same kind of lunacy that we saw in Ottawa but it's just going to be lunacy now in a suit inside some nice wooden rooms with velvet floors and that's that's going to unnerve me frankly but um I'm also a little bit unnerved by uh the way the liberals have applied some of their authorities in this case and some of the reporting come of that, coming out of it makes me a little bit concerned that the liberals did take some steps that were done for politics rather than public safety under the name of public safety. And that's not good either, because what's going to end up happening is you're going to give ammunition, like true credibility to fringe groups, because people are just going to say, oh, my goodness, maybe they were wronged if some of this reporting comes out the way it has the potential to. Carter, you, you seem to agree with, with Corey's response to, to, to my question around this this overall framing of fine, fabulous or fucked for, for, for this inquiry. What do you think? Is there is there any for, for the liberals? As it stands right now, does it lean in any of these directions without, you know, the, the, the six weeks being unpacked or have happened thus far? What's our constant criticism of the, of the Liberal Party under Justin Trudeau? They do not know how to respond to crises. This is a crisis that is, you know, of their own making uh, in, in some regard. Um, you know, they have not come out strong enough, in my opinion, uh, for the support of the act. Um, you know, the, the base question seems to be, you know, how should this act, you know, could this have been brought under control without the act? Well, it wasn't brought under control without the act. And I think that, you know, you, you don't want to necessarily put a big political spin on an inquiry, but, mm. you know, at the same time, put a little spin on the ball. I mean, you're, these guys just seem to always want to fall on their own sword. Like this is going to come after them and they don't have a political strategy to stay out of it. Instead, what they do is they they wait and they're very honest about it. They're very, you know, what's going to happen to us? Oh, Corey thinks that. Oh, Corey thinks we shouldn't have done anything political within the act. Um, when this is a political action, the reason the act needs to be invoked in the first place is because the politics of this are front and center. It's a political action coupled with violence. And frankly, I don't like my politics with a side of violence, Corey. I, I, I'm I'm a, I'm an old fashioned guy who likes my politics with with rhetoric and, and ideas and sparring. Uh, it's, I'm painfully being disappointed today, but in other, you know, more, more intellectual groups, you can, you can have a back and forth on ideas and not bring violence into it. And then when people do bring violence, it needs to be met with law and order and law and order was brought, law and order was brought and the, and the government should be standing up and saying, if this could have been dealt with without the uh this act we would have dealt with it but Corey obviously looks, it couldn't Corey looks pained yeah <laughs> What's, go ahead Corey. if go the ahead, liberals Corey. take this exhausting rambling approach that stephen carter has just the you know, stephen carter demonstrated uh, over you mean the past... it just wear out the shot clock yeah just, like let's just, just like i i i don't know was uh, that three years or four years it's hard for me to tell i, I, I so like, this is what the nba was the... without the shot clock just so people know <laughs> what carter did right now it was, just a bunch of, it was just a bunch of white guys dribbling for like 45 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Which is exactly <laughs> what Carter just did. Just old, bald white guys just dribbling out for eight to 10 minutes at a you time. It's the glory Zane, days, all right. Zane, you're taking his side because I nailed it. Nailed it. That's what happens. Everybody knows. I mean, it's Everybody so exhausting. Knows when I nail it, Corey. The one hand dribble. T- the, the left hand would get no work whatsoever. You, you know, cannot Corey, believe you say the left hand dribble on public radio. Let's be fucking clear. There has been an awful lot of revisionism <laughs> that has bled into more mainstream conservatism 
over the last bit here, uh, where people have said things like, you know, if you look at polling about how Canadians felt during the convoy versus how people think about the convoy now, you're actually seeing, you know, some support increases for the convoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, and, the, because the liberals aren't telling the story, because the no, liberals have given up. Because it is starting to move into this idea of myth. And, and there is with the, you know, with time past, that urgency, the reason the liberals took those actions in the first place, and maybe there's some some of your point here, people are forgetting that, right? And so the liberals have to have to tell a story of urgency. Okay, I'm not disputing that. What I'm saying is what we might find in an inquiry is that it's not a story of urgency. We may mm-hmm. find that the moment of maximum crisis passed before some of these decisions were made. We may find that some of the financial moves were actually significant overreaches. And by putting it back into the, you know, the window for six weeks, it may exacerbate this kind of historical revisionism that we're finding about this because people will forget the anxiety about the borders and people will forget the idea that Ottawa was a place you couldn't even get a night's sleep for, you know, days and weeks. And they are going to remember the government overreach. And it's going to retroactively make these people look less wild and less anti-democratic and less crazy than they were. And that is the big risk of this inquiry. And if they go into this with kind of that classic liberal bloviating that you put on display here, they are going to get fucking crushed. They need to have terse answers, smart answers, sharp answers, clear lines. Did you not watch the the hearings in in the U.S.? The January 6th commission where they brought forward all the violence, they brought forward the things that had been done in the name of this perverted sense of democracy and showed the violence and showed how their their system of government was at risk and this this is the opportunity this was what was but do you think happening. they're going to do that though carter that's the thing no, 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 no. i love this i love this fucking example because the january 6th committee hasn't done shit to public is, opinion has not done shit me? to public opinion it is not oh. i agree with Corey. i, I mean the, yeah. the, 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 we're going to get to it but the subpoenaing of Trump, like weeks, months late, like hasn't done. I, I kind of agree with Corey. I mean, nice television style production and holding back the best shit for six months, right? Talk uh, to the but, base, and the Republicans are going to win the House. I mean, that's what we're looking at right now. Maybe the polls will be wrong on that front, but if the Republicans don't win the House, it won't be because of January sixth. It'll be because of Roe v. Wade. Okay, put a pin uh, on it like for a second, is, Carter. I, put a pin on it for a second, Carter. I want to talk to Corey for a sec. So, Corey, the <laughs> amount of energy. That the liberals should spend on bringing Canadians back to the severity and the unprecedented nature of that moment. Um, is there any risk by doing that? And I think you may have mentioned one, which is that the, the, the that they may have been late, that they may have been caught flat-footed, and that their actions were uh, on on the downswing rather than the upswing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is, is hindsight is twenty twenty. But talk to me about how much effort you would put on storytelling that reality we all lived but so quickly forgot in some ways yeah so i think this is actually the stephen car or stephen harper playbook uh, that needs to be done less is more say the one line that you need the media to report and say nothing else because they will have very little choice but to use that if that's the only quote that's provided and i what i will often tell like give, me, give, give me an example like 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 yeah. say one line to describe the past like I, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to understand so in the in the inquiry the uh you know Chief of staff said, um, think of what the line would be here, but it, it's got to reflect yeah. actual facts yeah, yeah. too. But like, um, 
We had lost control of the situation in Ottawa, and after conversations with the Ontario government, we decided this was the only course of action that was left for us. And just repeat that time and time again, or wh whatever your line is, Zane, like it requires a, a better yeah, yeah, understanding yeah. of the facts on the ground, right? Of course, of course. But then, um, and, and just don't afford a lot of like ruminations on this, keep your answers tight. And as I always say to to uh, clients in, in kind of media relations, especially like crisis communications and contentious communications. It's, you know, there's an art to being quoted and there's an art to not being quoted. Now, our friend Stephen Carter is very good at being quoted. Damn right. Uh, but sometimes... 7,000 words, baby. <laughs> sometimes you just want to shut the fuck up, which our friend Damn Stephen right. Carter is not particularly good at. And, um, and this is a situation where the liberals just need to get through this six weeks. They need to they need to make sure their messaging is tight. I'm not saying that they don't put a message out there. I'm saying they only put the message out there and they don't start ruminating on a bunch of tangential things. They give the four facts that make their case and they say very little beyond that. Carter, it's I'm nice gonna, you I'm always gonna, wind uh, up where I start, Corey. It's always nice to wind up where I start. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Okay. What a show let's, today. Let's what let's a show. Let's finish this off. <laughs> let's go to New Brunswick and then let's go to British Columbia. Let's go to New Brunswick, Stephen okay. Carter. Yeah. Want to go to New Brunswick? Do you know what I'm going to talk about? I love I'm going to talk New about the Have education minister resigning. Yes. We talked about blazes of glory. I mean, this letter wow. by the uh, the education minister wow. resigning from the Higgs government, um, a blistering resignation letter in which he says change requires care, not a wrecking ball. That the premier's initiatives have not included. I have included things that are not in, in the throne speech, not shared or approved by us in cabinet or caucus, um, you know, saying that that the premier is, is effectively lied uh, on, on, on his commitments, um, you know, uh, saying I've worked tirelessly to prepare education systems for changes. Many are accomplished, but some stall because of this your micromanagement, like directly to the premier <laughs> government is not the same as building oil tankers. Carter, oh. A, have you seen anything like this? And B, fine, fabulous, or fucked, going out in a blaze of glory like the New Brunswick, or I should say the former, um, because this resignation letter, I, I suspect, was accepted. Uh, the former <laughs> <laughs> education yeah. minister, uh, Dominic Cardi, uh, in, in New Brunswick. Fine, fabulous, or, or fucked. And then, Carter, tell me if you've seen anything like this before. I don't think I've seen anything. I mean, the closest I remember is uh, Lloyd Snellgrove, uh, basically resigning from uh, Alison Redford's cabinet, saying that this woman shouldn't be in charge of anything. Um, and uh, wow, did he ever prove to be right? Anyways, he 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 left, and that's the closest I could recall. I mean, and our you know it was hard to respond to, but it was that's the closest I can come to. I think that um, this is fucked. I mean. The the idea that he said, I look forward to staying in the back benches of the PC party. I mean, I almost laughed out loud when I read that part. Um, how? How how do you expect to stay in the back benches of the of the, the PC party when you've literally just torn the wings off of their premier? And uh, you know, like wow, it was beautiful. I mean, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I loved it, but it was not it was not uh necessarily smart politics. Yeah, I mean, listen, your your behavior at a recent meeting where you refused to even read evidence you had specifically re re uh, requested instead of choosing to yell, data my ass. Like, 
<laughs> How does that not go into the strategist's, uh, you know, merchandise shop? Like, that's fantastic. Corey, fine, fabulous, or fucked. Like, we've talked about how, how range of motion. I, this guy doesn't give himself a lot of but range of motion. He never had any range of motion. I mean, this and is... He, and he probably didn't want any. So, no, so, no, so this talk is to me about crazy, the strategy. This is a crazy swing from an erratic individual. Like, you know, it, most people aren't as tuned. I mean, I'm not that tuned into New Brunswick politics, but he was like, he was the New Brunswick New Democrat. I think he might even have been leader. And then he joined the Higgs government. He was never going to be the next in line because of some of that background. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to create folk hero status for himself. Now, now, does he have a point? Yeah, fucking probably. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, <laughs> but uh, it's it's a situation I think is as much to aggrandize him as it is to cut down Higgs. And, you know, I, I like Carter sort of laugh at the idea of like, now I'm just going to go quietly sit in the back benches. You fuck really? Is this what your plan is here? I don't know. Maybe he's going to create one of those great centrist breakaway parties. Stephen Carter's always dreaming about. <laughs> he'll go. Yeah. He'll go dreaming about else and, and create happened. a vehicle, create a vehicle like Legault did and, and try to try to get himself into government. My suspicion is that it's going to be his next move because I don't I don't particularly think the NDP is going to be that excited about him. And I don't particularly think the PCs are going to be that excited about him. But he clearly has bigger ambitions. And he's trying to create for himself a space where he's this rational man who, who, who can just sort of call bullshit on the premier's bullshit. And, you know, like, I have to say, I have to say, like, the date of my ass comment was funny and it sounded damning. But, Carter, you've been in government. I've been in government. There are times where you want to say, this is bullshit data. Like, yeah. what the fuck do you think you're handing me here? This is like, maybe the sample size is small. Maybe this was an opt-in, you know, group that just, you know, all feel one way and you're using this as supposedly data. Yeah. And then you say data my ass. You talk to 30 people who think the same thing and they told you that, you know, this is what it's going to be. So yeah. I, I mean, I just don't, that's not enough for me to crucify Higgs, right? Like I actually want to know more about that particular situation and what was the data that he found particularly suspect. Um, Although, you know, based on the context and there's there's a lot of drama around French language education in, in Quebec or, or sorry, not in Quebec, in New Brunswick. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm by default, I'm not inclined to sort of trust Higgs on this one, but I also don't think we have enough to condemn Higgs. Ooh, boring. Corey, Corey T-shirt idea. More yelling, less data. OK, that's the first one. <laughs> Alternative that's a pillow. That's a pillow. A mug. That's a pillow. A mug. <laughs> It says data my ass, but in binary. Okay. I mean, oh, the ideas are endless. Oh, that's okay? not bad. That's, that's pretty actually, good, that's actually. actually, not, that's, actually not yeah. that's actually not terrible. That's actually not terrible. Carter, let's end sure. in British Columbia. Fine, fabulous, or fucked. The provincial NDP. David Eby is supposed to be the next premier of British Columbia. He's supposed <laughs> to be the next leader of the NDP. He's supposed to have a coronation. But there's something going on in British Columbia because... Anjali Aparudai, a, a candidate who, you know, late breaking into that race, um, kind of stopped the coronation, initially was seen by many. And, and those in British Columbia will probably be like, OK, you're reading this wrong in the sense. But l l let me baseline it for folks. Uh, was seen to be a candidate that 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 might be able to, you know, create a little bump in the road for the coronation. Soon became a candidate that paid her uh, her dues to run very quickly. And is now, uh, arguably, depending on the circles that you talk to, uh, with the help of some environmental groups that she's, I'll talk about that in a second, 
is maybe signed up more members than he has. Um, and there is now a situation in British Columbia where she's being investigated times two. Um, and there's a possibility that she either gets thrown out of this race, not approved, or her members get thrown out of this race, not approved, or their memberships that have been sold based on support from environmental or climate groups uh, that may have illegally helped to, to, to procure and sell some of these memberships. Carter. Yeah. This leads to the ultimate question. Yep. For the BC NDP, is this fine? Bump in the road, internal politics. It happens when you're a government. Is this fabulous? No. I doubt it is. Or is this or is this is this fucked <laughs> get territory? Fuck. What am I, I waiting I, for you? Well, I'm waiting for you to get the fucked. It's fucked. I thought there was a lane towards fine, but okay, Listen, lay it on if me. you if you are the Walk Alberta Party, if you're the Alberta Party or you're the UC you're the con- progressive conservative party after you've just been annihilated by the NDP, um, there is a chance that somebody could come in and take over your party, right? Someone could come in and take over your party. If you are the government in British Columbia, there is no way that anybody should come in and take over your party. This this is a huge mistake. The government wait, wait, event, wait, wait, you wait, can't, what? you've got to disqualify this candidate the second her paperwork comes in. Did, did we not just like literally see that in Alberta last week? I'm so baffled by your comments here. Yeah, me too. I'm no, but she this. didn't take over the party. She was the party. She is the party. That's the problem with the fucking party. They should they Whoa. should have disqualified her the second her paperwork the second two things they did wrong they didn't disqualify her the second her paperwork hit and they wanted to do a coronation do a fucking leadership race and this doesn't matter anymore because she can't compete she may be able to compete with one of you she can't compete with five of you and they just wanted to do a little coronation this is the BC NDP trying to hand off between EB and Horgan and it was a huge fucking strategic mistake that has just been exacerbated by the mistakes that have gone on, disqualify her early. And she doesn't get the, she doesn't get three months to make her point and turn out to be, I think, frankly, a very solid candidate. That's going to make the BC NDP look like fucking morons as they go through this. Corey, fine or fucked. I'm skipping out on fabulous. This is, it's just fine or fucked for the BC Um, NDP. Yeah. You know what? I, I think it's, it would be almost impossible not to say fucked, right? This is for many of the reasons Steven said, this was supposed to be one thing and it became a different thing. And the cleanup job the BC NDP is doing is pretty rough, pretty rough. Like the, the idea of sending letters to these organizations asking for data on like whether they helped. I mean, clearly they're getting PFO letters in return, left, right, and center. And of course they should like, why? And and, and there's also the green party overlap. So there's also, you know, uh, asking if, if certain folks have held membership in the green party. Can I see your membership list or can you give your membership list to a third party and I'll give my membership list to a third party and we'll see if there's a bunch of overlap. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's utterly ridiculous. And I think in normal political times, the NDP would actually be pretty excited about having a contest that's pulling in people who would otherwise be voting green. Now it's terrifying because the context is entirely different. And I mean, the idea that the Green Party membership could somehow flood the NDP, even if 100% went over and changed the outcome is also just really wild, right? Really wild. Doesn't make an awful lot of sense. And, And so it does sort of feel like an expedition to find a reason to have a problem. Where I think we need to spend a little bit of time, even if it's not today, is say, all right, so federally in the conservatives, 
they decided they needed to disqualify somebody because they didn't like where it was going. And Patrick in Brown. BC, yeah. it looks like that might be happening. And in Alberta, maybe there's a case that it should have happened at some point along the way here, right? Maybe, maybe not. Your mileage will vary on that. Are we ever going to just sort of come clean with the fact that the people who run parties don't actually want one member, one vote systems? They actually see them as broken, as I think many of us do. And is mm. there ever going to be a movement away from these sort of membership sales drive systems that we've got right now? Because like it it seems like it's it's becoming impossible to ignore that you can take over a government if you can manage to get 50,000 people off their asses. Yeah, like that's yeah, pretty yeah. mental. That's pretty mental. And it's not like the greatest thing in the world. And so are we going to have this conversation at some time? Or have we just decided there's no way to ever do anything but one member, one vote? Let's have that conversation. Let's not make it now. But Carter, let me close out on, on a slightly different question, which is related to Corey's point, but it's the price that these parties pay for these sort of actions. Like the Patrick Brown story was a max 72 hour story. And then it was gone. It was not really brought up in the last two and a half months of that race. And so where where I think there might be a lane towards fine here for the NDP, Carter, is if they do what they need to do here, which is, yes, mistakes were made. They get rid of this. That's so different, though. No, no. So so this is the nature of the question. This is the nature of the question, right? Um. Is there is there a broader price to pay here? How is this different? What do you think? Well, I think first of all that uh, the full package Ken Bosenkul will tell you that the that he thinks that the uh, the Conservative Party of Canada has lost that voter segment for uh, for ten years. That all the work that, that Jason Kenney put in, uh, that all the the work that has been done by Stephen Harper to uh, to build inroads with what was traditionally seen to be a liberal demographic. Um, has been undone by the by tossing Patrick Brown out. So that's what uh, and and being close to you know being in Surrey right now and being close to uh, the sick population here, uh, there's an awful lot you know of people that are, that used to be conservatives that have moved towards the liberals. So I think that this is going to be something that it may have only been a three day news story, but it may have impacted the people who bought the memberships, the people who were politically active much, much deeper. And we'll, we'll, that only time will tell. But that's what the full package Ken Bosenkul has been telling me. Or you, 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 you were interrupting as I was going to make that point. You wanted to get in there. Why is this different? Because the NDP is worried that uh, Anjali is going to win the contest. It, it wasn't that they thought Patrick Brown was going to win the contest. They thought Patrick Brown could potentially the outcome of the process and that mm. is actually different that is different and you're talking about smaller percents and all of that and so well there are people who are lighting their hair on fire over both right like there were people who said this is unfair and this has changed the conservative party membership uh composition and ultimately the outcome um it's hard not to look at how much polyev actually won by and sort of wash that away a bit right and so uh, nobody, I think, with the benefit of hindsight is going to say Patrick Brown was going to win, right? And no one with the benefit of hindsight is going to say Patrick Brown could have thrown this to Sheree. It was it was a block. It was changing some dynamics, but it wasn't fundamentally changing the outcome. Mm. See, we're talking about a heads-up race where it appears from the outside that the BC NDP is terrified and pulling whatever levers they think are available to them 
to stop her from winning the leadership, changing the outcome. And that puts like a Barry Bond style asterisk on EB's premiership from day one. It is different. And it's the kind of thing that gets thrown back at you forevermore. Yeah. Uh, you won, but you won by cheating. And, you know, mm. you can argue whether you agree with that statement. That is the statement that is going to be made. That's why they should have acted right away before she had anything vaguely resembling momentum. Because when she put her name in, the vast majority of people were like, uh, I'm sorry, we don't know who this person is. Now she's sewing strength and now you throw her out. Terrible move. Throw her out early and enable the, uh, you know, EB to take the coronation. Now he does look weak, uh, but it's better to look weak than to be weak. We're going to leave that segment there. I'm going to move it on to our final segment, our over under our lightning round, Stephen Carter. Of course, we're going to do it. We do you it. Guys, for yeah, you, we're Stephen a blazer Carter. today. Oh. Like, what, you guys listen, didn't even fucking dress up. We're really proud of you. you let me tell you something, Carter. You know? Overrated or underrated the January 6th committee in its season finale, so to speak. Underrated. Issued Changed American a, politics as we speak. The Pete for Donald Trump. Overrated, underrated. I already answered your question. <laughs> you think you think the subpoena for Donald Trump is underrated? Corey, why is it overrated? Oh, let me count the ways. How about the fact that all of its work has not actually fundamentally changed people's views of Donald Trump? Um, the, the most significant jeopardy he finds himself in has to do with his actions after the actions on January 6th, and it was taking some documents with him and then trying to conceal it afterwards. In in a way, it has been exactly the politicized exercise that was always the risk. You had two Republicans who don't like the guy, and you have a bunch of Democrats, and it's allowed the Republicans to sort of rally around this idea that this is somehow an illegitimate committee. It has the composition, it has the uh, you know the production values, but ultimately it doesn't have the power to change minds. It's something that is tuned out by the people that are with Donald Trump, and uh, they're talking to a small audience. Now, today's big drama, today's big drama of asking for a subpoena for Donald Trump is the second thing that I think is greatly overrated because, hey, it's going to be court challenges about this, and it's going to push it past the midterms, which means it'll push it past Liz Cheney being on there. It's going to probably push it past, depending on, again, what happens with the House, push it past control of the house by the democrats and then there's boom it's gone there's no committee so what does this matter at the end of the day stephen carter is hitting himself in his own head is this the book is this that's not how you get information in there is this the short answer section is this the quick let's go Let's rock and roll hogan let's rock and roll i was so inspired let's rock and roll hogan about what the liberals should say at committee that I just, Remember I when they did to... have the shot clock and the half court line so these white dudes could just fucking <laughs> dribble on their own side in little circles like geese? <laughs> you ever watch that shit? It's it's the worst. It's like listening to this podcast. Uh, Corey, overrated, underrated. Uh, the love Nancy Pelosi is getting for looking like a leader on January 6th as part of the 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 video archives that has now been rolled out. In, you know, Pelosi looking like an adult doing her job, trying to keep the country safe. Overrated or underrated? Overrated. You ultimately don't look like an adult if you're talking about wanting to punch someone in the face. I don't care how much of an asshole they are. Carter, overrated, underrated, Pelosi. And and, oh. and, and the, the, the heroism kind of revealed for uh, for and about Nancy Pelosi in these, in these videos. Underrated. I've started drawing her with a cape. <laughs> Stephen Carter, 
over under on seven out of ten, over under on seven out of ten, the liberal and the liberals and their their political sort of attack on the Pierre Polyev story regarding the misogynistic tags on his YouTube videos. They seemed locked and ready. The liberals did with their with their lines. Overrated or underrated on seven in terms of how they hit on on Pierre Polyev on these on these tags for his videos. Um, his, and, and just to fill folks in, there was some tags discovered uh, on some of Pierre Polyev's videos, uh, including um, some of the ones he ran in his leadership con- uh, campaign with the MGTOW tag, which means men going their own way. Um, this was a, a men's rights movement that these videos were tagged in. Long story short, helps with the algorithm to target those uh, videos in, in certain directions and to certain eyeballs. Carter, over under on seven, how the liberals dealt with this, their political under, attack, their messaging. Under, it's about a three. I mean, first of all, I had to call Corey and get him to explain it to me. And that's always upsetting for me because it's one of these things that is technical and difficult to understand and will go over 90% of the people's heads. And when I say 90%, I mean most of the journalists. So it didn't work. Mm. It was supposed, you know, it's interesting. It's all of those things, but definitely under in terms of its own. But it's a, it is a, a stereotypical, perfect, perfect liberal attack. Um, one that no one understands and doesn't land. So you're telling me the attack ha- has possibility or it did, but they just couldn't translate this highly technical thing into plain speak. Is that, is that, is that why I'm hearing Carter from you and what I'm hearing from you? Yes. Corey, over, over I tried to translate seven. it in his plain speak, but I, even Corey's language didn't get me there. Over on around seven, the liberal. Thanks attack. again, Corey. I pre- I appreciated your help. You're welcome, bud. Um, Look, I don't actually think it's very complicated. Uh, Pierre Polyev uh, was trying to promote his videos to people who have misogynistic views. That's that's not very complicated. But uh, Carter's not wrong that when you start saying, oh, really, how? And it's like, well, they use this hashtag and this hashtag is used by this group and this group has these views. I mean, it, it does require a couple of different connections. And I think in general, this is a pretty good illustration of... um. You know, something that that probably seemed really good to the war room, but it, it's it's hard to imagine it being like this attack that really lands super hard. Um, but, you know, it, it's all part of like this view of Pierre Polyev, and I'm sure it'll come back. And like I can imagine it being more effective in a list of five things that are identical or, you know, similar misogynism. We're just not there yet. So is it is it a one off? Well, I mean, I don't think it's a one off just knowing what I know about some of the people around him and some of the causes he's kind of rubbed elbows with, but you know, it's, it's not enough right now uh, would be my sense. When we're talking about an election that is still years away. Boy, final question. I'm going to, I'm going to start with you. It's been one week since you replaced me with Dan Arnold on this podcast for episode (laughs) 1006. We need a live stream. It's also been one week since Danielle Smith was elected leader of the UCP. Corey, your letter grade for Danielle Smith, one week, I can't say into the job, but one week since she was elected as the leader of the UCP. Uh, it is a W for what in the hell is happening here. And do us, any of us have the stamina to get through the next eight months if they're going to be like the last eight days? Corey, Corey gives it a W for the for the classic what the hell is going on here and, and do we have the stamina for all of this and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Carter, the letter ga- grade that you are giving Danielle Smith one week after Listen, being UCP leader. Dan Arnold was actually better than Danielle Smith has been this week. And that's, 
almost unbelievable. I didn't think that would be possible. Well, why are you taking a round out of Dan? Why? I'm fucking taking a round out of everybody tonight. That's just where I am. That's good. Let's let's wrap it there. Let's leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1007 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan, and we'll see you 